Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the Talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And welcome to America's Heroes Group. And this week we have the roundtable with Clean Energy Infrastructure Partner Zodiac Solutions LLC. Today is Saturday, March 5th, 2022. March is National Women's History Month and Disability Awareness Month. The host you just heard was Cliff Kelly. I'm the co-host, Sean Claiborne. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And welcome to America's Heroes Group. We have one thing we want to make sure you know is that you can watch us live right now on Facebook. Right now on Facebook. Go to search America's Heroes Group. You can see us on Facebook, Google, and YouTube. Just search America's Heroes Group or hashtag America's HG right now. Now, our partner, Rob Howard, he's a U.S. Navy veteran and the president and CEO of Zodiac Solutions, LLC. He's brought a special guest today, Mr. Rod Matthew. He's a U.S. Navy veteran and the owner of Brevian Energy, specializing in microgrid technologies and renewable energy. Welcome, gentlemen. How you doing? Thank you for having us. My pleasure. Our pleasure is all ours. We're going to talk about federal funding to put more electric charging stations across America. So tell us what's going on. They got so they have some federal funding going in to put charging stations across America. The states are given to, to go ahead to spend five billion over five years to replace or upgrade electrical charging stations every fifty miles along the country's interstate highway system. Tell us more about that. Well, let's before we even start with that, we want to make sure everyone understands that the electrical charging stations are only one slice of this entire renewable energy portfolio that is rolling out and we need to get veterans engaged in it. So that $5 billion is going to different states. And and the reason I brought Rod is, is Rod, I really have an appreciation for the fact that he can break it down as to how we look at each piece. So the $5 billion, as an example, in California, um, will get a cut in California. That'll be rolled out with various programs throughout California. And and what I'm excited to hear about, Rod, if you can talk a little bit about, we think of an electrical charging station, the thing at your house or what you see at the gas station, there's actually two big categories. One's the regular charger. It takes a little bit of time, um, an hour or so or more to charge. But they also have the Type 2, which is, what, 15 minutes? Oh, wow. To get full charge. So, so it's... It, it's incredibly exciting because of what the technology brings to us. 
Okay. So tell us more about that, Rod. And so tell us about the charging stations and also um, one of the biggest pushbacks against electric vehicles is, at least for a wider use, is the charging time. That's something that has come up a lot. Yeah, well, again, thank you very much. Uh, as Rob alluded to a little bit earlier, uh, there are really like two types of chargers. One is more uh, commercially suitable. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's called a DC fast charger. Uh, the uh, actual demand on those are about 50 kilowatts and up. So, you know, they're, they're pretty hefty, pretty beefy. They only take about 15 minutes to charge a vehicle uh, on, a, on, on a normal vehicle. And the other type is a, is a standard type two charger, which, uh, you find those typically at home. Um, you know, those take about, as he said before, like an hour to charge a, a vehicle. And those typically run about six kilowatts of power. So, um, so the power demand is much less on those, so but they do take a lot, a lot longer to charge up. Yeah. So what is the, what's the, the opportunity for veterans and opportunities for people, especially when you talk about for job creation? Um, what are the opportunities with this money being spent in all these different states? So that money is $5 billion across 50 states. It's still a lot of money. And um, there's well, one thing we can talk about as far as the, the, the push for electric cars, but then there's, which is you know, mainly for climate change and things along those lines. But there's another opportunity for people to get jobs and also job creation. Well, I see it as in really kind of three different buckets. Uh, one, as an entrepreneur, there are opportunities there. I know here in California, uh, they have a program called the Cal EVIP, which is a, a California Electric Vehicle Improved, I'm just giving incentive program uh, that is giving out money to, uh, you know, entities to, you know, su- supply fast chargers and type two chargers in the infrastructure. Here, just in our county alone, we're going to be giving out about $20 million in order to help do that. Wow. So uh, this is for free the, for people, for, for typical homeowners, or how does that work? Well, really, it's uh, for people who are providing these chargers to the public primarily. Okay. Uh, they're going to be giving these incentives to. Wow. Uh, for like the D.C. fast chargers we talked about, uh, you know, they're giving up to $50,000 or up to $60,000 if you're in a disadvantaged area, like in a community of concern. And for the really fast, the, the really high-capacity fast chargers, they're giving up to $70,000 for typical entities and up to $80,000 or uh, disadvantaged communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, just uh, and some of the areas that qualify for the DC fast chargers are areas where you tend to be, uh, you know, you, you come in and you get your services and you're out places like airports, casinos, uh, big parking lots, uh, gas stations, grocery stores, things of that nature. And the level two chargers, uh, which, like I said, usually take about an hour to to charge, then those. <laughs> I got some background. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. That's no problem. Yeah. What? Uh, so, 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 what? So, there. So, the the opportunities that they're giving out these chargers to different. I'm assuming these are mostly businesses. Then they're giving these, uh, providing free chargers or, or free use of chargers to people who have electric cars. Now, my concern is, is that. It started just with gasoline once upon a time. When gasoline was the energy du jour, you know, 50, 70 years ago, it was very, very cheap. I mean, you could buy a gallon of gas for pennies. Now it's 4 or $5 for a, ga- for a gallon of gas. Is there going to be a time when we look up and then they're going to start charging for electricity? 
And how will, how do you see that playing out in the future years? Because electric cars are coming. I mean, regardless of whether you're pro-electric car or not, automobile manufacturers, as we know, are already starting to switch over to um, making strictly electric cars or at least hybrid cars. So that being said, that's what we're going to have to, to choose from. It's going to be mostly electric cars. So is that going to be a day when we look up and say, okay, now we have to pay for this electric for this use? For these charging stations? Well, we, I mean, we pay for it now. The, for the charging infrastructure currently, uh, you know, you, you come in now and typically you pay, unless you have it at your own home, you pay to charge your vehicle. Mm. Uh, and that's why they're really rolling this out in mass right now because uh, most, uh, if not all, of the manufacturers, I know the administration is pushing that by 2030, which, you know, literally is not around the corner uh, when you blink your eyes. Uh, they, have, they have committed to having at least 75% of the cars that are on the road at that time be electric vehicles. Hmm. So what is going to happen? So that's with- going to be a, okay. a very large shift in our technology Yeah, for sure. coming up. That's why they're really trying to promote getting these electric vehicle chargers out uh, so people have, uh, can go you know, easily to go charge them up. So what's going to happen with all the cars, like all the the old Tesla, or not the Teslas, but the old you know Fords and GMs and Buicks out there? Are they going to have to get new electric cars? Are you not going to be able to keep their hot rods and things like that? How is that going to work? You're still going to be able to keep those. They're not going to outlaw those. <laughs> it's just the one coming out. The newly manufactured vehicles are only going to be electric. So they're not going to be uh, you know building any new combustion engines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not going to say outlaw at least in the foreseeable future outlaw any of the combustion engines right now but did you see but as i was kind of alluding to earlier those are their advantages uh because 75 percent of the new cars on this on the market are going to be electric vehicles uh having skills as uh a electric vehicle maintenance technician is going to be key right so that's an area where i can see veterans uh transitioning into those, to acquiring those particular skills uh, would be very valuable coming up in the near future. Because you have to have a combined set of skills. You have to have the skills of a regular mechanic and the skills of a renewable energy technician. Mm. So that's a, a new skill set, combined skill set, uh, that I think will bode well for veterans here in the future. And hopefully their prices will start coming down some of the electric vehicles. Because right now electric vehicles are still seen primarily as kind of a luxury item. They're a lot more expensive than regular gasoline cars, but they cost less to produce, which is the ironic part about it. When you look at the parts and the, and the, and the cost of actually producing an electric car, way less expensive than a combustion engine. A lot less things that can go wrong right. in an electric car than a combustion engine, but they're still charging us you know, a lot more money. So when is the price going to come down? I mean, it's economies of scale, um, just like everything else. Really, as they build more of them, uh, incrementally, the cost will come down or per unit. Uh, you're starting to see that even now. Uh, they're considerably, you know, a, a Toyota Prius is, you know, cheaper now than it was when they first started coming out, you know, four, five, six years ago. They're cheaper than they were than they are now. So, Rod, uh, tell us, tell us, how can so, people, how can veterans get involved? What do we need to do to get involved that people are interested? And I was a mechanic in the military, so... Um, uh, so, so a person who might have job skills coming out of the military, we have tons of mechanics coming out of the military. What can they do? What right. should they be doing right now to get started in this? Well, first of all, you can um, look to see uh, what it is you'd like to do. If you'd like to be a mechanic for electric vehicles, 
There are, you know, specialty programs um, that are that are out there readily available. Uh, one of them I know is uh, they have uh, a program called the Open Learning Initiative uh, that for free you can go and uh, go to their electric vehicle technology STEM class uh, online and learn and get a certificate. Uh, so that's, uh, you can go there at oli.cmu.edu. So that's the open learning initiative. Uh, so that's just one of the ways that, uh, you can uh, obtain those skills. I mean, this is a, a, a certificate based program that you can get, uh, 30 credits for, and it's a free, free program, particularly for veterans. So let me ask you this. Why do you think there are so many people out there? Um, there was an article that was uh, written about this on the San Diego Tribune, and the Tribune was actually reposted on Newsbreak, the Newsbreak website. And there was a lot of posts on there that were pushing back on the article that was talking about exactly the thing that we're talking about, uh, the fact that you know electric cars are coming. There's this bill that's out there right now from the Biden administration to put all these charging stations along interstate highways, so every 50 miles there will be a, a, a charging station, some being upgraded, mm-hmm. some are going to be the fast chargers. But a lot of people still believe that there is not that there's something that's, that's pie in the sky that the electric car is not for them. So for that, for, so for what are some of the the arguments that people are misconceptions people have about electric cars? Um, one of the big things is you know which may not be a misconception as much, but there's a concern about the batteries. What do you do with all these old batteries? Are the batteries going to last? Uh, and also for and on the flip side of that, the opportunities for technicians. Are you going to have to have special training and environmental uh, uh, expertise in dealing with uh, lithium-ion batteries? I would, you know what? I, uh, people also struggled with the car and the combustion engine when it started coming out. People struggled with the Internet. New technology requires um, us to be open. Typically what happens, particularly in, in the veteran community and the underserved communities, because we're, 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 I guess, culturally tempered to stay away from new things, we find out what happens after the fact. These electric cars, because remember, while we're thinking about five, ten years, the people who are planning this are planning for 25 years and 40 years. Not only is it coming for the electric cars, but remember, we have a supply chain that requires we have cities and counties across the country right now um, renewing their fleet with electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. And so when governmental entities start filling that void and creating that supply or creating that demand for the supply, then we're going to need those charges because it's going. It's not only going to come, there are cities doing it now. We're looking, you know, one of the things we do from an entrepreneurial perspective, is that we watch and monitor what's coming so that we can get involved in that. And trust me, not only is it about the electric vehicles, but it's the infrastructure. It's also, you talked earlier about that electricity, and that's basically what, what our really focus is about, and that's that microgrid. Because now, yes, the price of electricity, if you are not generating it, it will continue to rise because there is only so much that's going to be supplied because of the infrastructure. And that's where the microgrids come in. We want to make sure that cities are able to now, they're supplying the electric charger, but you still have to supply the electricity mm-hmm. to charge. Right, so, exactly. so I think more than just those EVs, it's about we are shifting off of fossil fuels. And so 
EVs are a part of the transition. And I like what you said, Rob, because, like I said, I keep coming back to that. We have to find, in my opinion, we have to find better technology, newer technology like microgrids, things like that, to try and produce more electricity. Because the reality is fossil fuels, there's only so much of it on planet Earth. I mean, no matter, that's what, I mean, you can argue that Putin's over in Ukraine right now. That's what, it, that's what that war is about. The areas that he's, in, that he's primarily accusing the Ukrainians of having uh, taken Russians hostage and that there's Russian supporters and they're being held out of their will, those are the areas where there's natural gas and oil, just coincidentally. The ones that he's fighting and crying about are the ones where all the oil is at. He went into Crimea. Crimea was about oil. They're surrounded by oil in their in their oceans and things like that. So that you so that being said, it's in our I think our nation's best interest to look at things like electricity and, and electrons are everywhere. We're surrounded by electrons. You get it from the sun. You can get it from the, from uh, from fossil fuels. You can get it from burning stuff. You can get it from this working, this you just spinning a wheel. But so that is something I think is really important. Are we spending enough money and attention though on the second part of it, the part that you allude to, Rob? I don't, I don't think so. But what I will say is this. Follow veterans should really be looking at what military installations are doing. And there is a word that is not talked about enough that I think is key to everything we're talking about, and that's resilience. Are we being resilient? Can I, in the event of a storm, be able to have power? What happens in my community when the other sources of electricity are not there? You want to create some resiliency. And if we do that in the community that our veterans are coming back to, because the military is creating resiliency on every single military installation. Mm. Who's doing that? Our, our, our men and women in the armed forces. And when they come out, they have the knowledge, skills, and ability to help our communities. And that's, where, that's why we're here, to try to make this connection and tell people, look, the training is available. Rod gave you one that's an open source. It's there. You can go get that training. And what's so cool about it is take that training you got in the military and recognize you understand infrastructure. I don't remember probably the first time we talked. I'm always amazed that we can take a military outfit, put them in the middle of the desert, and by sundown, they're cooking, they have lights, there's, there's heat if they need it, right. there's air conditioning if they need it. That's the ability of our veterans. And that's what this whole EV infrastructure is about as a part of the whole uh, microgrid infrastructure. But we have to make sure our communities are resilient. There is extra money for communities of concern in this grant program. You know what that means? That strip mall with the barbecue shack or the, or the, or the laundromat. Put you, put you a couple of EVs there mm. so that we start to model the behavior of what's coming. I just see it as, as a, we, we're going to get there, and the question is, can we, can we get all our veterans on board to try to do it? There's an entrepreneurial track. There's a job track. There's also a community track. I like that entrepreneurial edge. So, I mean, that's something I never really thought about. So, for some reason, I'm still thinking in the old school gas station type mentality that, but with an EV station, you can really put that anywhere. So that could be you could you could put that pretty much you know in my apartment building. I could have one. I could have one you know at the like you said a chicken a chicken shack whatever. Whatever you want to put it, that's even, where you can do it. And even with the microgrid technologies that we deploy, you can literally put it anywhere in the middle of the desert because we can generate the power with the microgrid to to facilitate 
the, the electricity uh, to run the chargers. Uh, so I think that's really going to be key as well. In some of these areas that are more remote, uh, we have a, a company called Rivian. Uh, they just mm-hmm. went uh, public here just shortly. Yeah. Uh, they partnered with Ford uh, with their, their new uh, F-150 Lightning. But they're really going to be running a lot of off-road vehicles. Mm-hmm. That's where they're going to be specializing in. So uh, people who go off-roading are in areas that are off the grid, mm-hmm. right? So these people are going to need ways to really charge their vehicles. So they're going to have to go go with off-grid solutions. Uh, so we can we can we can facilitate power anywhere. Uh, so you're going to see more and more usage uh, of these charging technologies because they're going to be where the people want to go. So, Rod, so what do you say to the person who's, and I think of, I had a conversation with someone not too long ago, and they were afraid that one day if they got this electric car that they're going to be out, you know, driving with their kids out and, you know, trying to go someplace far, and they're going to be stuck because the car is just going to stop. You know, when you have a mechanical car or, I mean, a gas combustion engine car, it gives you signs and symptoms usually when it starts to go bad. But anybody that's handled a power tool, anybody that's worked with a cell phone or whatever, or any kind of electronic device that has a battery, it just cuts off. It doesn't necessarily always give you a warning signal or a flashlight saying, hey, you know, I'm getting ready to go out. How, what, do you, what would you say to a person like that who's afraid of that change or that type of uh, new technology? I would say they need to have rode with me with some of the gas cars that I had in that they gave me no indication <laughs> when they quit. <laughs> so, I mean, you're in, you're in the technology that, you know, unfortunately it doesn't last forever. Uh, I mean, there are warnings, there are, you know, gauges and signals, just like everything else on other vehicles. Um, and, you know, tow trucks tow uh, electric vehicles just like they tow combustion vehicles. So <laughs> at the end of the day, AAA works with both ways. So, I mean, for as that, for as that goes, um, I don't see a real difference uh, in that. Uh, and as you stated earlier, uh, there are less things that can go wrong with the electric vehicle than with the combustion vehicle. So. I think you're probably maybe in better shape overall. So one more time. You know what? And I mean, and generally, like I said, and by the time, you know, these roll out in mass, like I say, 2030, you're going to see the majority of the new vehicles being sold are electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. So that means they're going to be cheaper. They're going to be more mechanics. Uh, So you're not going to have to go to a specialty mechanic. You're going to just go to a mechanic because all the mechanics are going to be EV mechanics. So that being said, do the mechanics so, today need to be brushing up on their skills or changing their skill set? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I mean, I, they have to get those skills. I mean, they either offer, that or find a new job. And, and if you'll go now, and, and one recommendation I'll make to people to get off the fear, go into um, these car dealers, test drive an electric car. Oh, yeah. Just get your comfort level up because, again, it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Matter of fact, it's here in many communities. So let's 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 not be left behind. That's my big concern. Right. Let's get in front. Absolutely. And and even if you're a mechanic today, the skill set that you had 20 years ago, if you didn't update your skill set from 20 years ago, there's no way you can even work on the cars today. I mean, because most of the cars today, you plug them into a computer, and the computer tell you what's wrong with it. Rod, Rob, I appreciate your time. We're out of time right now. Thanks for joining America's Heroes Group. We'll see you guys again. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. My pleasure.
Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.